0: Passage to be read, so Matt, over to you. Thank you. As she was mentioned, our, our reading this evening is from Psalm 31 for the Pew Bible. That's page 461. To the choirmaster, the Psalm of David. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul, and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terrors on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to shale. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak instantly against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Let's pray together.
1: Father, we long to know those solid joys, even now as we come around your word, we pray Lord that you would help us to hear a word that can be trusted, a a word in season about you, our great God, and Lord we pray that you would make us a happy people, rejoicing in all that you are for us in and through your Son, applied by the Spirit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Two weeks ago, we finished a series in the book of Esther. And if you caught any of that series, you'll know that we moved quickly through that book of... The Bible, there are 10 chapters in Esther and there were just four sermons in the series. And that meant that there was a lot, rather a lot that I did not say. Uh, I really am a, a firm believer that sermons should have just one point. So multiple headings, multiple subheadings or divisions or however you want to phrase it, but one main central driving idea or point, which means that I'll typically discard uh, about 80% or so of what I actually read in order for the 20% to be extra pointy in your ears. Uh, Preachers often have to do what film directors do, delete all of the scenes that don't help to tell the story, and so what I want to do this evening is put two truths before you that are really there in the book of Esther, as we'll see tonight, but didn't really get any airtime in our series at all, and as I do that, I hope we'll be reminded of what we already know, and that is that there is always more in God's words than at first meets the eye. That we should never get to the end of a, of a series in a book of the Bible like Esther or like Ephesians or like Acts or like Ruth or, or where, whatever it is and think, okay, I'm finished with that book now. No, God has 10 miles of depth beneath every book of the Bible. God may be pleased to use me to dig one meter down, but there is always more for us. I really hope this message tonight will help you to come and to to believe that all over again. I once heard a story about a professor, one pastor said. A student approached him curious about scientific, scientific observation very well, said the professor, as he pulled out a huge yellow jar. Take this fish and look at it. Eventually I'll test you. The student took the fish and began to observe it. He looked at it and studied it. After 10 minutes, he thought that he'd seen everything that could be seen. He searched for the, for, for the professor, but he was nowhere to be found. So he kept looking at the fish. 30 minutes, an hour, two hours passed. He was turning it over, looking it in the eyes. Behind, beneath, above. What have you learned? Asked the professor when he returned. The student rehearsed it all. The paws of the head, the fleshy lips, the lidless eyes, the lateral line, the spinous fin, the forked tail. The professor seemed disappointed. You haven't looked very carefully. You haven't even seen one of the most obvious features. Keep looking. The student wanted nothing more to do with the fish. He was miserable. But he wanted to please the professor, so he looked and he looked. Slowly, he discovered one new feature after another. Soon, time began to fly by as the student observed that fish, seeing all kinds of things he'd never noticed before. He realized just how right the professor had been. After another hour, he returned and heard a new list of observations. That's good, but that's not all, he said. Keep looking. And so for three long days, he put that fish before the student's eyes, forbidding him to study anything else, repeating the chorus each time, look, look, look. And then this pastor said this, we have something far more valuable to explore and study and look at. The simple habit of looking at the Bible will change your life. And lead you to the greatest beauty in the world. If we look long enough. With enough care. We will see things we never dreamed possible to see. Give yourself to look and look and look at God's word. Don't let go or walk away until you have seen more of him. You will be amazed by the wonders you will find. And those of you in this room who have given yourself to looking at God's Word and to digging down those 10 miles beneath every book of the Bible know just how true that is. And I hope tonight I'll give you just a little foretaste of that in the book. Of Esther. And so you remember very briefly, let me give you the plot, the storyline of the book of Esther. The book of Esther took place about 500 years before the birth of Jesus. Esther was this young Jewish orphan girl, and she had been raised by her older cousin, Mordecai. They lived in Susa, the citadel within the Persian Empire, and God used them, Esther and Mordecai, to save the Jews from genocide. Mordecai had an enemy and his name was Haman. And Haman was second in command to King Ahasuerus, the most powerful man in the world at the time. And because Mordecai would not bow down And would not pay homage to Haman. Haman sought to kill not just Mordecai but all of Mordecai's people, the Jews. Uh, The king signed off on the plan. But unbeknown to him and unbeknown to Haman, Esther was Jewish. The same Esther whom the king had just taken to be his new wife and queen of Persia. And you remember it was against the law for anyone to approach the king uninvited. And yet Esther risked her life, approached the king, exposed Haman's plot. The king was furious and put Haman to death by impaling him on the gallows for all to see. So whereas the book began in despair, the story ended in joy. And there are two truths that I want to put before you tonight. And those truths are these. Number one. There is never a bad time to fear God. And number two, there is never a bad time to trust God. Number one, there is never a bad time to fear God. Never a bad time to fear God specifically despite earthly power. Despite earthly power. Now where am I seeing that in the book of Esther, where am I getting that from in this story? Well, we learn that lesson by looking at both Haman's life and Queen Esther's life as well. Let me show that to you. Remember, as I've said this evening, Haman was second in command to the king who reigned over India to Ethiopia, over 127 provinces. He was the most powerful world at the time. And when Haman slithered up to King Ahasuerus to convince him to sign off on this plan of genocide, this is how he described the Jews. There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. In other words, in Haman's mind, and from Haman's position of power, the Jews were nothing. The Jews were nobodies. And when the king signed off on the plan of genocide, in Haman's mind, that plan was as good as done. All of the power of Persia was behind him and his plot and his purposes. And yet God had a purpose for the Jews. Through the Jews, the Messiah would be born. And so despite the fact that Haman looked like he had the upper hand, and despite the fact that Haman looked unstoppable... And despite the fact that Haman had the power and the wealth and the resources of the most significant superpower in the world behind him, he had no idea who he was messing with. His every sin constructed his own gallows. Unbeknown to him, he was opposing God. So that within the space of just a few chapters, Haman discovered for himself just how true it is that the wages of sin is death. And therefore, again, there is never a bad time to fear God. No matter how much earthly power a person looks to have, looks can be deceiving. And to make an enemy of God will spell your Doom. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Never a bad time to fear God regardless of how much earthly power a person has. But listen, Haman wasn't the only person in this book that had power. Because Esther had power too. And when the king's decree of genocide was published... And when Haman's plot reached Esther's ears, she could have said, I'm the queen. There's no order of genocide that is going to reach me. I'm safe. But the call on Esther's life was to fear God more than man. Mordecai spoke more truth than he knew, didn't he, when he said, do not think to yourself, Esther. That in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the others uh, other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so you see how this all comes together. Haman didn't fear God. And it cost him his life. Esther did fear God, and it saved her life and the life of her people. There is never a bad time to fear God despite earthly power. You remember how Solomon ended the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, who had all the earthly power anyone could dream of having, The king who made silver in Jerusalem as common as the stones on the ground. You remember how we closed the book of Ecclesiastes? The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And so you think today of a Vladimir Putin, with all of the power of Russia behind him, with a nuclear war chest behind him, surrounded by billionaires, wrecking the homes of pastors, taking the lives of Ukrainian citizens, destroying families left and right. He looks unstoppable, but he has no idea that he's digging his own grave. He has no idea that he is constructing his own gallows, and his lack of the fear of God will spell his doom. There is never a bad time to fear God, regardless of how much earthly power you have. So listen to us as believers here tonight. Please let me say this. Do not be impressed Do not be intimidated and do not be seduced by the power of the godless. If they don't fear God, they don't need to be feared at all. And if we side with them out of fear of them, then we will perish with them. What did Jesus say? Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, Fear Him, God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Why do you think the leaders at the top of the Church of England right now are affirming what God denies? Well, it's because they are impressed. It's because they are intimidated. It's because they are seduced by the leaders of the new cultural revolution. That's why they're on their knees, begging to be accepted by the world. There is no fear of God before their eyes, literally none. But friends, if we fear God, there will be nothing for us to fear, because the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And if we fear Him, then we are on His side And he is on our side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. And friend, that is all you need to know for your mind to be kept in perfect peace. Do not be impressed, do not be intimidated, do not be seduced by the apparent power of the godless. There is never a bad time to fear God despite earthly power. That's the first truth we've seen tonight. But second, there's never a bad time to trust God. And there's never a bad time to trust God specifically to accomplish his purposes. To accomplish his purposes. Now again, where am I seeing that in the book of Esther? Well, remember, God had to preserve the Jewish people because the promise had been made to Abraham and to many others in Genesis 22, God said to Abraham, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3 clarifies for us exactly who God was talking about. When he gave that promise to Abraham, the Apostle Paul says, it does not say, unto to offsprings... Referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. And so in other words, God had promised that the Christ would be born in the line of Abraham, so that through Christ, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And had the Jews been annihilated through Haman's plot, then there would have been no Jesus, no Messiah born to Mary, no salvation, no blessings to all the nations of the world. But the book of Esther teaches us that God can be trusted to accomplish his purposes and therefore there is never a bad time to trust in him. And it's amazing, isn't it, that in the book of Esther we see that God can even be trusted to use sin and evil to bring about righteous decrees. And no, it's not that God is the author of sin, certainly not that sin is God's idea, but that it is that God is capable of using sin to bring about righteous purposes in the world. Didn't we hear that even this morning from our passage in Luke 22? What did Jesus say? He was speaking of Judas's betrayal, and he said, The Son of Man goes as it has been de- de- determined. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. And so friends, if God can be trusted to use evil for good, then there is never a bad time to trust in God, even when the days are evil. And wasn't it encouraging on Tuesday night to hear that as the war in Ukraine rages, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is flourishing. And thriving. Do you think that's an accident? Do you think that's a coincidence? No, one of the reasons that God is able to look down from Zion, his holy hill, and laugh at his enemies is not only because his enemies are nothing when compared with him, but also because he is using their rebellion. He is using their evil deeds to bring about his righteousness decrees God is saving sinners in Ukraine left and right because the war is waking people up to the reality of eternity well God saved the Jews and God's Messiah was born and God has been faithful to accomplish so many of his purposes but there are far more there are still more purposes of God yet to be fulfilled isn't that true God has promised that the earth will one day be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. God has promised that a multitude... That no one can number from every nation and from all tribes and people and languages will one day stand before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And will cry out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And God has promised that in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And although we have a, a partial fulfillment of all of those promises, there is yet more to come a greater fulfillment to come and how will god bring them about well god will bring them about through my sharing and through your sharing of the gospel of the lord jesus christ that's how and therefore friend devote your life to bringing as many people as possible under the sound of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you do, you may just find that you turn the world upside down or right side up. Those who are hurting in your life need to hear the gospel of Jesus from your lips because Isaiah tells us that God sent Jesus into the world to bind up the brokenhearted. And to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And those who are proud in your life need to hear the gospel of Jesus from your lips. Because Jesus said whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Haman is exhibit A. Those who are deceived by themselves or by the world or by the devil, they need to hear the gospel from your lips as well because Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And those who are religious but are unconverted need to hear the gospel of Jesus from your lips because Jesus said unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And those with thirsty souls need to hear the gospel of Jesus from your lips because Jesus said whoever drinks of the water that I will give to him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And those who are hungry in your life need to hear the gospel of Jesus from your lips because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And those who are blind need to hear the gospel from your lips because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And those who are lost need to hear the gospel from your lips because Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And therefore, if you are here tonight and you cannot say that you are a Christian, friends, since there is never a bad time to fear God, then fear him now. And since there is never a bad time to trust God, trust him now and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Amen. Let me pray for us.